my name is Maggie Zaki. I'm director of technical marketing at Qualcomm Technologies. Well, I guess the first thing is people probably may not even know what Qualcomm technology is. Um, where are they in the automotive space? Yeah. So, actually, we are uh, a semiconductor supplier and telecom designer in general, or system designers. We got an automotive about 15 years ago. So if you know about Onstar, the GM Onstar, it was actually uh, working on our modem, our chipset. So we have been in automotive for 15 years. Today we are number one in telematics and cellular connectivity. We are also number one in Bluetooth connectivity, any Bluetooth you have in the car. Also, we are getting into infotainment, and we are getting lots of share in the infotainment market. So we have more than 14 car OEM right now using our equipment or our, our technology and chipset. Uh, so yeah, we have been really in the automotive space for a long time. We have more than 5 billion revenue of 5 billion actually mm. on the pipeline today in the automotive segment. Yeah. When it comes to automotive technology, and especially our conference is sort of based around the user experience, mm-hmm. is there some point, I mean, the average transaction price of a new car today is in the 30 $2,000 range, $33,000 range. As we put more and more technology into a car, is there going to be at some point that there's almost, the technology drives the price of the car too expensive? Yeah, no, actually now I suspect that technology has to do a lot with the price of the car. Right. And we see the trend again of EV, where basically now car OEM putting lots of emphasis and efforts on technologies, uh, because now the engine is basically is not the selling point of the car. So definitely there are things that are going away and technologies are replacing them, yeah. Yeah. I actually am always very surprised that I get lots of technology right now in the car, in my car with relatively same price as last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I suppose like all technology, as it becomes more popular, it comes down in price. That's true. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, we talk a lot about vehicles talking to each other, talking to mm-hmm. the roadway, talking to the, the, the buildings and street signs and street lights and so forth. Sure. Um, it looked like a couple of years ago it was going to use a certain type of technology, mm-hmm. DSRC type technology. Then it looked like 5G is the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. But are both of these the right or is there something else? Yeah. Uh, so the something else is CV2X, so which is based on LTE or cellular technology, but it's completely different than cellular in the way it works. So the way to think about uh, so DSRC has been actually um, in, for a very long time. It started in almost 1999 when we have the 802.11e standard, and it's based on that. Uh, again, I went to a conference, 1999, people were talking about DSRC as the technology for V2X. Nothing happened for the last 20 years, and uh, one of the main reasons it didn't happen is the business model, because now you are adding, you need to build a greenfield infrastructure, so you need to basically rip all the traffic signs on the road, build a new technology in them. You need also to add this module to every single car, which... Again, you tell a car OEM to add it for safety, which is very important, but there is no way to monetize it. So that, that's why it was very delayed, but it was the only alternative. And for Qualcomm, we have a DSRC technology when it was the only alternative because it's very important for us to save lives. But in the standard, we started also to work on a competing technology, which is called CV2X. 
And CV2X does exactly what the SRC do, but does it a little bit better, and also has an evolution path that enabled the new use cases. So when the SRC was invented, they were thinking more about safety. Autonomous driving even wasn't on the horizon. So today, that's why when we invented CV2X, we thought about what autonomous driving need, what are the new use cases, new car experiences would need from this technology, and we started to bake that in today, and the technology is already today ready because we have the solution out since 2017, September 2017. We are in our second generation. We've done 20 global trials everywhere in the US, China, Europe, Korea, Japan, Australia. And we proved that the technology work on the road because we have our the, the technology in, in cars, in Audi cars, in Ford cars, many car OEMs had it. Um, again, the technology is becoming ready because uh, we didn't see any massive deployment of DSRC yet. There are these small deployments, mm -hmm. and there are also some small deployments like the Colorado one for CV2X today. Uh, but we see commitments now from car OEMs like Ford coming on the stage and saying every single car they sell in China, starting from 2021, will have CV2X. Every single car they're going to sell in the US from 2022 will have CV2X. And what that means, uh, now finally it, become, it became feasible for them and possible for them mm. to include this technology in the car. When you look at technology and you really have to future planet you have to know when where it's going to be and when it's i always i always think about the person who just bought the new computer at the computer store and they're all happy and mm -hmm. as they're driving home they see a sign for the next model yeah and it seems like there's a little bit of that with mm -hmm. this type of technology that it started off this was what it was going to be but i hadn't realized it started off so long ago dsrc started so long ago mm -hmm. yeah so the main thing about technology is how to basically have an evolution path to it that is backward compatible. <clears throat> so here is the example. So say this coming Christmas, we all had basically bought new cars and mm -hmm. all of them have CV2X, the version we have today. And then you think, okay, maybe five years from now you will buy the new version. I'm not lucky enough. My wife will not allow me to do it. <laughs> so, so basically you have the new car, also with CV2X technology but you have the newer version. Your newer version will be able to do more things than my car, but will be able also to do the same things that my car can do. So you can always talk to my car for safety application, mm -hmm. but maybe there is advanced use case that only your car support and the new cars will support. And it keep progressing, but as it progresses, it's always, it's always backward compatible. So it, the technology in my car doesn't become obsolete in any way. So my... I don't have to worry about my VHF tapes not playing my beta exactly. tape player. Exactly. No, that's yeah. what you shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. But also the beauty of that is it's all cellular, right? So it's the same family. So that's why it's uh, basically uh, play with the same standards, right? Yeah. So now there is global standard, cellular standard that everyone is adopting. There is very big ecosystem behind it, right? So it's always, there is always innovations, but also people think about all this backward compatibility. And how mandatory it is, is it for it to work properly? Mm -hmm. Is there a percentage of vehicles on the road that there needs to be a take rate of it? I mean, if the fleet on the road now is as old as it's ever been, almost 12 years old, mm -hmm. um, when there's 5% or 10% of the fleet that's using mm -hmm. this type of technology, mm -hmm. does it not 
really look like it works until that that rate is maybe more 40 or 50 percent yeah th that's true so all these technologies will need like network effect network yeah. effect basically i think the worry is do you need it in 100 percent of the cars to get the benefits that was always the question like what if there is only one car that doesn't have v2x what's going to happen to this car and that's what we have been actually doing in terms of saying uh, of basically getting some of the benefits even with lower penetration. Mm -hmm. So again, now your car have lots of sensors and your car can detect maybe a non-V2X car on the road. So now your car is gonna tell me, oh, when you come to intersection, there is a non-V2X car, mm. be aware of it. So now everyone is benefiting from the technology. Mm. And we showed actually some result that you get traffic efficiency and higher safety, even if you don't have this 100% penetration. But you are right, it has to be like 30 or 40% yeah. to really see yeah. a significant benefit. Will the technology allow um, data to be sort of stored and processed? I always think about all of this technology, whether it's automatic emergency braking or lane departure correction, it never shows the crash that didn't happen. No okay. one ever, no one ever mm -hmm. no one ever says, you know, that automatic emergency braking saved me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe they tell their friends at a party, but mm -hmm. they don't but but no one really knows whether it really worked. All we ever know is there's mm -hmm. forty two thousand people who get killed every year yeah. in traffic crashes. Mm -hmm. But we never know what the technology did to try to prevent additional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Will this technology be embedded in the car in such a way that that can be tracked? Yeah, so actually in the Colorado deployment, Panasonic actually had done great actually deployment there where they have actually the deployment in the car, but also they manage the data centers on uh, the Colorado side. And uh, they showed actually lots of statistics that they got from the cars, like say weather related mm -hmm. and when the wipers started because it's raining in this mm -hmm. place. So maybe they alert other cars that's mm -hmm. raining on this freeway. So there is lots of things to do with that. So let me... The always tricky part about CV2X technology from a communication, like public communication mm -hmm. standpoint, is it doesn't rely on cellular in any way. Again, it, it works yeah. without subscription, mm -hmm. without, cellular, without mm -hmm. cellular coverage. But it can also benefit from the cellular deployments that you have over there. So now if you have a roadside units, a traffic light mm -hmm. that have CV2X, it can also be combined with a 4G or 5G modem, similar to what you have in the car. Mm -hmm. And basically the CV2X would take care of all this local information. We call it hyper-local, real-time information mm -hmm. that needs to happen very quickly, peer-to-peer -peer or direct communication. But because it all go in the same RSU or traffic signal, you can take all this information and backhaul it to the cloud through a 4G or 5G okay. modem, and you get the benefit of that. It doesn't need it, but that actually enhance the ways that you can use data and monetize it and many other things. Well, you, one final question, you said monetize it. Yeah. Is at any point, is this gonna be a marketing type tool as well when, as it's truly integrated into the car, I tag a song on the radio, and next thing I know, I get uh, an offer to buy discount tickets. Yeah, no, it yeah. will not. It will not. It will not, no. yeah, because, again, it used the ITS 5.9 gigahertz, which is only for, it's more for safety application. Okay. So, but uh, say now if there is an operator 
that or a city that would like to use this data that you collected from the car this is the way they're gonna use it so maybe monetizing is not the right way but you can make use of the data for cities so in terms mm -hmm. of economical benefits you can take traffic efficiency yeah. more productivity all these yeah. things yeah is is the communication bi-directional in other words if mm -hmm. there was a a flood mm -hmm. and could information be pushed to the car to tell you how to get safely out of town? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because now that, say, the case of traffic light and car, we'll take that as yeah. an example. Yeah. So my car will s send the information to the traffic light close to me, and then maybe traffic light will share that with all their peers' traffic yeah. light. And then traffic lights we can send to the cars telling them, okay, this is what's happening in the other neighborhood or a yeah. few miles yeah. away. So there is, it's bi-directional. Uh, technically, for the current release of the technology, it works similar, exactly like DSRC in terms of its broadcast technology. And broadcast meaning, as I'm as I'm driving the car, my car is actually telling every, and this can be configurable every few millisecond. Here is what I'm doing. Here I'm braking. I'm yeah. turning left, and everyone around me hears me, but everyone is talking to. When we develop the the next release of the technology, we'll still support that, but we'll have also the option that you can create your own group that you want to talk to only. So a very nice uh, use case that we showed at CES last year is Audi and Ford and Ducati, which is a motorbike mm -hmm. company, they done a demo where they all used the CB2X and they coordinated with each other at a traffic, uh, at an always stop sign. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to tell the Audi car, it's your turn next. So all of them, they run the same algorithm and then they agree with each other. They form a group and they agree with each other. So that's what's coming in the next release. Mm. Also, we have the option that only my car talk to your car, which you call Unicast. So this way, if I want to send you what I'm seeing on the road or my intention because it's only relevant to mm -hmm. you, I can still do that. Yeah. So again, that's what the beauty of this technology. You always have the opportunity to add more things to it. Yeah. yeah. Amazing technology and, and it seems like truly the future is here now. Great. Yes. All right. Thank you for your time.